Hey folks, it's Seb here. Thanks so much for tuning in. Before we get started, I would just like to acknowledge that this podcast is created, recorded, and distributed on the land of the Kulin Nations, and I pay respect to elders past, present, and emerging. Sovereignty was never ceded. Thanks, y'all. Hope you enjoy the show. This is just a content warning to state that this podcast episode contains heavy discussion of eating disorders and disordered eating habits. Please listen with your own safety and comfort in mind. Hey everyone, Editing Seb here. I just want to quickly mention that in the podcast episode you're about to listen to, Charlotte talks about a podcast that she's been working on for the Monash Nutrition Society, which has since launched um, since um, she and I recorded our podcast episode. Um, So I just want to quickly let you know that you can find that. Um, It's on Spotify. If you just type into the search bar Monash Nutrition Society, it should come up as the next bite. Um, There'll also be a link um, in the description of this podcast episode um, for you to go follow and listen to that. They currently have um, the first episode up titled Going Boldly with Janine Dart. Um, And it's very informative and very great. And touches on a lot of things that we talk about in our own in this podcast um, but in more detail so yeah go check that out and i hope you enjoy this podcast episode Hello everyone, welcome to Let's Talk, a podcast dedicated to providing educational content on a range of different social issues. Each week, I'll be joined by a special guest to discuss that week's issue, as well as provide handy tips for living on res. This week, we're discussing body image and eating disorders, and the complex relationships we have with our bodies and food. I'm Sebastian, one of the academic RAs at Giacomos, and today I'm joined by Charlotte. Please feel free to introduce yourself. Hi, I'm, I'm Charlotte. I am an RA at Holman Hall um, and I'm originally from Wellington, which is the capital city of New Zealand. So it's my second year in Melbourne and I'm studying nutrition science. Um, and I have tried to say a bit about who I am that's not anything related to those titles. I love coffee. I love going out for brunch. And I love hanging out with my friends, particularly talking about these kinds of issues and anything about emotional intelligence. I love talking about. (laughs) Yeah, I love, I am totally with you on that. I love a good brunch where you just kind of, um, especially like with those friends that you can just really get in, like dig deep into like the kind of the complexities and kind of the gray areas that kind of surround our everyday life. It's really um, really interesting, especially over some like French toast and stuff. Yes, absolutely. Um, so Charlotte, you are the president of the Monash Nutrition and Dietetics S- Society. Um, I was just wondering if you could talk a bit about what that's like um, and how you came into that position and kind of what the society involves for anyone who is curious to know more. Yeah, of course. So I was the first year representative last year on the society. So usually how that works, if you want to become a year level representative, you would go to their um like the ordinary general meeting to, um, at the beginning of the year. And then in at the end of last year, I was elected as president for this year. So at the moment, we are working in a team of seven people. And so just like any kind of society, there's a president, there's a vice president, a treasurer, a secretary. We have an events coordinator. 
social media coordinator and then year level representatives wow. as well. Very busy. <laughs> yeah, so we've got it's yeah. a everyone has kind of different roles, but really we all work in together. And the thing I really like about being part of a society and why I definitely recommend getting on board with a committee if it's something you're interested in. Um, it's a really nice way to implement ideas that you don't there's not too much structural difficulty whereas some you know in some kind of jobs and positions you it is very much defined by what you know authority your authority figures are kind of telling you to do whereas in a society you do work within the Monash Students Association and the clubs and societies and they're governed by kind of those guidelines but if you want to run an event or if you want to start a podcast or you know anything like that you can go and do it so yeah yeah, so that's kind of what we're planning to do we're actually planning to run a five episode podcast and more kind of nutrition related uh, career advice Mm. for our for our students but even if you're not a nutrition student we we are trying to implement more mentoring within the uh, within the cohort as well because we are quite small cohorts so if the second years can learn from the first years and the first mm. years can you know learn from the second and third years we just think that would be uh, would be amazing um, and we also have yeah. a ball in sem too so. oh, nice. <laughs> yeah. that's always fun <laughs> yeah yeah um, that's really interesting especially um, with the podcast that you're mm-hmm. um, creating at the moment I think that it um I mean, obviously, we're here today to kind of talk about these kinds of issues, but I think that would be a really um, helpful resource that a lot of people can um, access regardless of what they're studying and regardless of um, their experiences. Yeah. Yeah, because, I mean, we go to uni and we study, but I think it's really interesting to hear from people that have who've gone through all of that and Mm. are now in the workforce and, you know, any formative experiences they had and would like to pass on, I think. Yeah. Mm. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So in your view, what is body image? That's a big question. Body image, I think it's really important to understand that it definitely encompasses kind of what you look like. So, you know, your perceptual body image. So that's, you know, yeah, how objectively, in Mm. inverted commas, what you look like. But it also really does encompass how you feel, think, and behave based on that perception of your body. So it's also important to understand that it is a comparative concept. So Mm. body image is relative also to who we surround ourselves with, but also kind of who we see in modern media. Like it's definitely a comparative concept. Um, and another important part, I think, is the behavioral aspect of body image. So that's mm. kind of what we, the behaviors we undertake based on how we perceive our body. So, for example, if a person is dissatisfied with the way they look, they might choose to isolate themselves and say not go out or you know not connect with other people, or they may start employing destructive behaviors. So you know, excessive exercise or um, disordered eating as a means to change their appearance so that's not exactly perceptual body image that's more behavioral body image if that makes sense yeah definitely um uh, especially just quickly go back to what you said about it it de- like it definitely doesn't like exist in a vacuum and it's kind of um yeah at least i feel like it's like referenced by well it has references in society and what we see kind of around us and represented and kind of yeah uh so you brought up um disordered eating Mm -hmm. um 
I, I was just wondering if you could just talk about, um, well, first of all, is, uh, what is an eating disorder and is that mm-hmm. different to disordered eating? Yeah, absolutely. So I think that's a really important distinction is the mm-hmm. difference between an eating disorder and a disordered uh, and disordered eating. So I think it's probably easiest if we talk about disordered eating first. Yeah. So disordered eating is more of a kind of disturbed and unhealthy eating pattern of behavior. Mm-hmm. And that can include um, things like restrictive dieting, skipping meals and compulsive eating. So it can include behaviors that reflect many, but not necessarily all um, eating disorders. So they're mm. kind of, they are the most, disordered eating behaviors are the most common indicators of an eating disorder. Yeah. So then if we look at that and then we compare it to an eating disorder and a person has an eating disorder when their attitudes to food, weight, um, their body size or shape lead to changes in their eating or exercise behaviors which interfere with their life and relationships so it is a mental illness so it's clinically significant because it's affecting the way someone's thoughts and feelings so it results Mm. in them um, feeling kind of unhappy Mm. um, and they're experiencing a decrease in their quality of life so that's what makes in an eating disorder. So I almost think of disordered eating habits are almost the gateway to developing an eating disorder, yeah. but they are different concepts. Yeah. Um, and it, at least for me, I've always felt like eating disorders, are, um, what you're like with a diagnosis. Mm-hmm. Um, although yeah, do you, you would need, would you need a diagnosis for, um, for it to qualify as like an eating disorder. Yes, so I think you you do have to be re- reviewed by a professional, yeah. and then you would be diagnosed. Whereas disordered, you know, you can experience and kind of participate in disordered eating habits mm. without having a diagnosed eating disorder. Okay, yeah, 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 um, yeah. So, what kind of um, eating disorders exist? Mm-hmm. So. In this question as well, I guess it's important that there are main types of eating disorders and then there are subtypes within each one, which I think goes for everything, but important to make just, yeah, make Mm, that note. But in terms of just general, like just the general kind of class, we have um, anorexia nervosa, which is probably the one that comes to mind usually first, even Mm. though it's actually not the most common kind of eating disorder. So um, anorexia nervosa is focusing on body shape and weight as a main measure of self-worth, self-worth. And it often involves dramatic weight loss, um, an intense fear of gaining weight, um, or becoming fat, even if this person is severely underweight. So mm-hmm. it is in the definition in the um, in the DSM yeah. that that is characterized by um, dramatic weight loss. So mm-hmm. you, so a person who has anorexia nervosa is typically underweight, whereas bulimia nervosa is actually more common than anorexia mm-hmm. nervosa. So bulimia is this. Um, It's recurrent and frequent episodes of eating unusually large amounts of food while feeling out of control. And then the second part is engaging in behavior that compensates for this binge. So Mm. that's behavior such as um, purging, 
fasting or excessive exercise. So that yeah. that's the two components of um, of bulimia nervosa. And mm. then we also have uh, binge eating disorder. So binge eating disorder is when a person has recurrent episodes of eating an unusually large amount of food um, and in a short period of time, and they continue to eat beyond the point of being comfortable comfortably full so that's kind of the difference the difference i think sometimes people get binge eating disorder and bulimia nervosa confused but the difference with binge eating disorder is there isn't that behavior to um compensate for the binge and then just one final i know it's a bit wordy um so i'll just briefly mention another um another one that's not that's kind of on the rise it's not in it's not in the DSM, so you mm-hmm. can't be diagnosed with it, but it's called orthorexia nervosa. So okay. it involves, orthorexia nervosa involves an unhealthy obsession with healthy eating. So unlike kind of other, unlike anorexia nervosa, um, it, orthorexia mostly revolves around the quality of food, so not the quantity. So people with orthorexia are generally not focused on losing weight, but they're focused with the purity of of their food which definitely mm. feeds into some of the concepts we'll talk about later yeah. yeah yeah thank you that's a really um good and kind of thorough um kind of explanation of a few of um yeah a few of the i guess common eating disorders yeah or, definitely yeah. the most the three most common are um anorexia nervosa bulimia nervosa and binge eating disorder there are yeah. definitely ones in that that i haven't mentioned but if you know those three it's you're pretty yeah it's it's a Mm. good kind of just general education in the different types Mm, definitely um so yeah you've mentioned quite a few like signs that people might have an eating disorder Mm -hmm. um like skipping meals or fasting um are there any others that people should be mindful of Mm. so with of the signs that someone might be developing an eating disorder i think i could probably class them into um which i should say we because all of this information i have you know i have uh, it's all very much like rooted in evidence and it's being researched yeah. and you know it's not just it's not just what i think <laughs> yeah but um it didn't just pop out of my head one day but um behavioral is I think the behavioral signs are what we can pick up on the mm. easiest. So I think it's important to talk about that. But also um, there are physical and psychological signs. But mm. in terms of behavioral, um, things like dieting behaviors. So if you, um, like with fasting or counting calories or avoiding specific foods, and also with that kind of excessive um, or obsessive exercise patterns. So if yeah. someone's maybe exercise when exercising a few times a day or when they're injured, or if they're very stressed, if they can't exercise, that's probably more of an obsessive exercise pattern. Um, Also, a behavioral change might be, you know, noticing a bit of a change in food preferences. So um, someone who might be experiencing disordered eating habits or, you know, behaviors, as we've talked about already, might start claiming to dislike foods that they previously enjoyed, or they might be starting to cut out, in inverted commas, bad food. Um, and there is definitely that social withdrawal. That's quite a common yeah. sign. So, you know, refusing to participate in a group meal or if going out for a meal because there's not that kind of knowledge on what exactly went into the food. 
Um, in terms of physical signs, um, weight loss fluctuate mm. or you know weight fluctuations um, is probably the a big physical sign. Um, another one sometimes is people feel cold all the time oh, because okay. you know yeah not you know the the loss of kind of body weight you know the, yeah. yeah I don't really yeah yeah no definitely yeah. <laughs> I I never um thought of that yeah that's so yeah and things like um brittle nails or like hair falling out um, yeah. I know for um females like loss and like menstrual patterns can be a really oh. key sign as well um and then for psychological I think it's important to know that this is probably more for like an individual it's hard to assess uh, based on like try and assess if someone else is having problems based on their own psychology. I think behavior is mm. probably the easiest place to, you know, identify these problems, but someone might have extreme body dissatis- dissatisfaction or quite a low self-esteem. You might notice, say, a friend getting a bit more anxious and irritable, particularly around food. Mm. Um, and that kind of rigid dichotomous thinking, you know, that food is, this food is good and this is bad. So yeah. I think it's just important to stress with, you know, this, that these are just signs. They're not definitive. And just because someone skips a meal one day, um, I think particularly on res people, you live with so many people and mm. everyone has, you know, different patterns of eating. I remember I had last year, there were people in my hall that would, you know, eat dinner at 2 a.m. in the morning. And that's, oh, yeah. you know, things like that is just, it's just difference in, that's definitely, you know, influenced by culture and your, and schedules and your t- timetabling. So yeah. just because someone, you know, that might be a strange concept, that's not, it doesn't necessarily mean someone has an eating disorder. It's definitely like, and I will talk about this later, mm-hmm. but if when you are trying to approach this with a friend, if you think a friend is struggling, um, it's important to kind of build up a bank of evidence because one of those behaviours in isolation doesn't necessarily indicate yeah. that someone's going to develop an eating disorder. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so if you don't mind me asking, um, what was your uh, what has your relationship with your own body image mm-hmm. been like, um, especially growing up as a woman in, mm-hmm. yeah, I guess in, a, in the society that we live in, you know? Yeah. I think, well, definitely living, I've lived in a weight-centric society yeah. my whole life. So I think positive body image is often correlated with this endless quest to lose weight, which mm. even if you think about it, just as I said that as a concept, it's interesting that, you know, if we put, say, positive body image as this um, as this goal, which... Mm. I would like to challenge, but yeah. not at the minute. Yeah. Um, that it's kind of these differing ideas because we're trying to change. We're really trying to change ourselves to in this quest to you know have this positive body image. It just yeah. it doesn't it doesn't feel quite right, does it? But that's kind of the world that we live in at present, which I think is definitely mm. changing. But it does mean that it's hard to because I think by default we just grow up in a world that's telling us to change particularly mm. when it comes to our bodies for um for um for women and also i think an added pressure is definitely studying nutrition because mm. there is a a bit of a i guess myth or this preconception that everyone who studies nutrition eats a 
inverted commas, perfect yeah. diet and, you know, never would think of eating mm. takeaway food or, yeah. you know, like would oh, never touch alcohol or anything like that. Like it's just yeah. this idea that, oh, well, you're a nutritionist or you, you study nutrition. So obviously mm. you wouldn't go and eat any of that. So I think yeah. that's really interesting. And it's hard also for me sometimes to think if I'm kind of pursuing say a specific behavior because I'm trying to become more educated or improve my health I might have learned about something and mm. I've yeah I've learned about something and I want to see if it helps me or if I'm acting more from kind of this you know maybe my body you know body image is you know negative and I'm feeling like my perceptual body image you know is, is influencing my behavior so i know that for definitely. me that's definitely hard and i i have talked about it with my friends who study nutrition as well and it's definitely hard because you sometimes think you might be at an event or you know out with friends and lucky my friends never are like this but i know like some people you know they might think oh but you study nutrition so you know why would you do that mm. um so i think it's yeah, it's really hard. Like it's it's hard to um it's d- yeah, definitely difficult and I've struggled with it and I think I will continue, but mm. I think I'm getting better at trying to adopt more of a kind of body neutral mindset. I'm definitely trying to become mm. more educated in it. So, I'm trying to kind of understand that the goal maybe isn't necessarily to have this positive body image all the time, but just to kind of understand that my body isn't meant to look a certain way and that I can exercise because I really enjoy it and not because I want to change my body and you know I can eat five plus a day or whatever because I know that it's you know it's good for me and it makes me feel good but I'm not expecting you know to miraculously transform overnight so I think that's the whole the idea that your body is like a vehicle to do things and Mm. it's not the goal isn't necessarily to you know, love yourself all the time and because at the same, like, I think, yeah, I think that's kind of what I'm, what I'm probably trying to work towards, but it is absolutely a struggle. It's really, it's, I think it's great to talk about it and be surrounded by people that uh, aren't super obsessed with their bodies, Mm. but we do, I think particularly just at this age, maybe I'm kind of slowly going out of that age. I think probably Mm. school and that kind of thing is, yeah, probably the worst time, but, um, even just, yeah, I think it's definitely, I'm no means saying that I'm an expert and I struggle just as much as everyone else, but I do find it super interesting. I'm always trying to learn more, particularly about this notion of body neutrality really interests Mm. me. Yeah. 100%. Um, as you brought that up that made me think like um because i definitely feel like we're um moving to a place or there's a lot of a lot more representation of i guess like body positivity and kind of Mm. um and like self-care and kind of this kind of not all the time but i definitely feel like this kind of like rose tinted like idealized like loving yourself all the Mm. time kind of a thing which is kind of like reassuring but also I don't know how realistic mm. um, it is. Um, and it's definitely, yeah, for myself, I'm kind of trying to do a similar thing where I'm kind of, yeah, trying to reach a place of just like my body is my body. It is mm-hmm. what it is, you know. Um, and I'll have times where I'll love it. I'll have times where I have negative feelings towards it. But um, perhaps like a, like like loving my body isn't always loving it 100% maybe mm. like a higher form of I guess self-love or more nuanced 
um, form of self-love would be um, acknowledging that there are times when I'll hate my body. You know, there are mm. times where I'll, I'll, I don't like what it looks like or, you know, stuff yeah. like that. Um, but that that just comes with living the, my everyday life and um, I can't not recognise the societal expectations and the societal like body ideals and stuff and the effects that that has on me and everyone around me you know it's um yeah just kind of love like loving myself regardless of how I feel about my body yeah exactly and I think it's just so important to accept that some days we wake up and we feel below average about Mm. ourselves and it's not and that's okay it's we don't have to be happy and super positive about everything about ourselves all the time because that's just unrealistic and it's I think accepting that this is a feeling and feelings and emotions pass like you Mm. don't you never stuck in one feeling for your whole life um accepting that means that there's less of that urge to go and seek behaviors to kind of improve our body image because Mm in a way sometimes just accepting okay today I'm not feeling my best so I'm gonna go and catch up with a friend or I'm going to just take some time on my own I'm gonna go for a walk or read a Mm. book or something can be it's yeah that higher form of self-care and Mm. you're being compassionate to yourself and in that way the feeling will probably pass a lot quicker than if you think okay so I'm not feeling good about myself today so I'm gonna you know I think Mm. go and know exercise and I think that's almost just this circular narrative of just kind of what we've been talking about Mm. like you go resort back to those disordered eating behaviors creates this vicious cycle Um, so I think yeah I totally agree I think it's just important to kind of practice the idea because I wouldn't say it's I would ever reach this point and that's it but Mm. kind of practice the idea and that self-talk that actually there is so much more to life than what we eat and what we look like and it's Mm. just sometimes it's actually thinking you know it's okay to not feel okay today and yeah 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 um i'm definitely um like i feel like i saw a social media post like yesterday or this morning where um it was like someone said to like talk to yourself how you talk to your best friend Mm. or something like really kind of mothering or kind of parenting your own self um, because I yeah I definitely do feel like a lot of the time we're kind of almost trained to uh, like talk to ourselves talk to ourselves in not necessarily vicious ways but in ways that are condemning or mm. negative um, and that kind of yeah that kind of feeds on our insecurities and stuff um, and it's also um, interesting what you said about um, what do you say about um or oh, exercising because um you you want to mm-hmm. and having that be the motivation um like that that literally has never even registered in my brain until you just said it like um a minute ago um but that's so yeah i really like that and that's really um empowering as well because i'm i haven't like properly quote unquote properly i haven't set aside time to exercise regularly Mm -hmm. in the past few years um but it's been something that i want to bring back this year and i've like messaged a friend and like we're gonna get 
um, discounted gym memberships. Yeah. Um, but it's my sport plug. Yeah. <laughs> Sponsored. Um, but yeah, definitely. But that's also been hard to balance. Of like, I'm exercising because I'm unhappy with how my body looks mm-hmm. some days, or is it's definitely hard to try to find the quote-unquote right motivation yeah but i yeah i really like that about wanting to exercise and because it makes you feel good and because you yeah you want to do it yeah i think sometimes physical like the physical aspect of things gets people in the door but then if you want to maintain a habit of exercise i think it's super important to bring in the mental aspect and Mm. doing something you only stick to something that in the long run that you actually enjoy so if you don't like running on a treadmill a treadmill don't go and run (laughs) on a treadmill like go and do something you enjoy and that is because especially for uni students it's such a well for anyone really but we're super busy all day and at uni Mm. and um thinking and exercise if it's you know half an hour to an hour out of your day is time that you can take to just assimilate your thoughts and just kind of think and you don't and you don't and and focus on focus on something else and Mm. you know and not yeah I I just like that it's time that I can take for myself that I almost feel like energizes me I usually go to the gym in the morning so Mm -hmm. yeah I feel like it really starts my day off right but I don't think if I was if my main motivator for exercise was because I want to change what I look like I just any sustainable change in terms of any, anything physical is never ha- never going to happen overnight. Yeah. And that idea of, like, I think it's just super important to think of those other motivations. Like, it's actually getting outside and going for a walk with mm. a friend is social. It's also great for your mental health. We know how good walking is for us. And, yes, it's also probably, you know, it's good physically. We, we know it's great for us to do our 10,000 steps a day, and it's a you mm. know, great thing to aim towards. But, yeah, I think employing some of the more those other motivators is really important and that helps build more of a body neutral mindset because Mm. we're not our body is actually a vehicle to do things and to but it's not if it's not all we're focusing on Mm, yeah um can i just quickly ask with um like getting up and going to the gym in the morning is that something that you uh, decide when you wake up or is that like the night before do you have like yeah. a plan kind of a um thing? i do have i i do try i really yeah. <laughs> I, I try and go um yeah in the mornings um if i have listened to this on so many podcasts and i've read books about it i yeah. always try and prioritize my like if i'm tired if i wake up and i'm tired i try not i don't go because yeah. i think it is important like sleep is more important but I know that it sets me up really well for the day. So I um, I do try. And I think setting my alarm to wake up and go to the gym at you know 7 a.m. means that I try and go to sleep at a reasonable time, which mm. doesn't always happen. My friends listen to this. They'll go, Charlotte, what are you saying? But no, I do. No, I, yeah. I really, I love like morning. I love going in the morning also because then at nighttime or in the afternoon, whenever uni finishes, um, I can just, I don't have to think about going because I don't, um, I go to a different gym, so I don't okay, have to think yeah. about her leaving. I can just relax or, you know, 
do some mm. work or see my friends. So in the morning, it's just kind of like a sacred time and I'm on yeah. my own and yeah, I, I really like, cause I spend most of my day with people, which I absolutely love, but just taking the hour out on my own is yeah, yeah really good. It's really good. Yeah. I'm definitely trying to start better, I guess, morning habits, mm. which will, yeah, hopefully set myself up for mm-hmm. the day. Um, yeah. because I'm, used to be and still kind of am that person who like wakes up checks their phone for like two hours and mm. then gets on with the yep. day um but i'm trying to um like whether it's like meditate or mm. like even just stretch or something in the morning even for like 10 minutes with like now that i've got my because i'm on the third floor now i get like yep. a really good view with oh, like lines up nice. um like i did that this morning i was so refreshing and like yeah. energizing uh, but I still did that after my two hours on my phone. But hopefully... <laughs> but still, it's, it's no, it's great. Yeah. Anything, like anything, just getting up and even doing a fight. You can download so many different apps on your... You don't need... Like a gym membership doesn't have to be the barrier. Mm. It's literally just waking up and you can do... There are so many YouTube videos if you want to do a 10-minute yoga sequence or a seven-minute workout or something. You can really do anything. Mm. Um, and that's... It's just great to kind of get you up and kind of prime you for a good day as well yeah yeah i really like this um this mindset of um like doing it because um for um like really focusing on like the mental aspect Mm -hmm. and getting in a good headspace for the day and but also as you said like if you're just not feeling it in the morning also making sure that you don't i guess push yourself too hard or absolutely um, yeah kind of that balance um yeah um, so what does a normal relationship with our bodies and food look like compared to one that is centered on maybe harmful ideas? Mm-hmm. So I think a normal, yeah, a normal relationship with food is, it's definitely kind of more of, I think it's, it's hard to say, oh, this person, you know, has a normal relationship food and with food and this person has an abnormal relationship with mm. food, that kind of thing. It's not, it's not so black and white. And even if someone, um, you know, majority of the population are not diagnosed with an, um, with an eating disorder, right? Yeah. So, but even in that set of, you know, the normal population, mm. there is, you know, it's, Normal is, I guess, just a. Yeah. It's a. <laughs> I'm trying it to kind think of that. means nothing. Really. Yeah, yeah, a fluid kind of concept. But I wanted. I think we can. There's definitely ideas within this normal frame of eating that are probably we would see as like that's that seems healthy, right? Mm. So, um, healthy as in this is more in terms of kind of our mindset. So I think an important thing to talk about is this idea of relaxed or you may have heard of intuitive eating. So Mm. that's this idea that we're attuned to kind of how um, our body's hunger and we kind of provide what it needs. So it's kind of understanding like the ability to listen and satisfy our hunger and Mm. hunger is not just physical. Hunger can also be that, you know, there's, I don't want to say a social hunger, but almost like that. Like, is this hunger to, you know, allow for pleasurable eating, and that's in the absence of guilt. Mm. So going out with friends, you know, for ice cream or something. Yeah. You know, des- dessert is usually not a physical hunger because you have just eaten a meal. But yeah. it's more of just this social, this idea that you want to be with friends, or or you just feel like it. You crave. Mm. 
you crave yeah. ice cream. Right? I regularly crave yeah. pancakes. And, you know, <laughs> yeah. yeah, exactly. So I'm that's... so sorry. I'm just so bummed. There's not like a pancake place on campus. Oh, but, uh, that would be so good. Honestly, that would be so yeah. good. I, I love pancakes too. Honestly. I was gonna have them this morning, but I didn't. Anyway, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, but the I think also important, yeah, kind of related to what we're talking about. Mm. Um, I just remember learning this at school. Like, if you asked someone, you know, what did you eat for lunch, and you asked them why, it would probably take a long time for them to get to, you know, oh, because of the nutritional value. Often mm. it's because of convenience or cost or um, or ethical reasons mm. or, you know, craving or social environment. There are so many yeah. different factors. So it's really important within that relaxed framework of eating that you're aware that there are so many different influences on why mm. you eat what you eat and it's very like nutrition is pretty much down the bottom mm. um even for a nutrition student they're not usually thinking oh okay well i haven't ha- i haven't had my recommended daily intake of vitamin a so i'm gonna people don't think like mm. that um so the idea of relaxed eating does allow you to kind of eat when you're hungry and stop when you're satisfied which is so much yeah. easier said than done um, but it's definitely this, yeah, this idea of, um, but you know, you might be physically satisfied and socially satisfied, or it might just be yeah. that it's more of a physical thing. So it definitely changes. Um, and the idea of kind of being a relaxed or intuitive eater means that you kind of respond to changes in your routine with compassion. And I mm. think I'll talk about that a bit more in the context of res later, but that. I think this idea of relaxed eating is an extension of self-care and body acceptance because Mm. you have this, yeah, this higher level of self-care that you are willing to, you know, be compassionate when plans change or when you don't eat the most nutritious meal, but it was the only thing left in your fridge Mm. or you're studying late at night and you're hungry and you eat at 2am and you wouldn't usually do that. But, you know, so I think within that framework, often balance is a word, balance Mm. and um, flexibility are words that are thrown around a lot. So balance, I would say, is this idea that you have the ability to eat for hunger and for pleasure. Mm. So, you aren't like you like you understand that both types of eating are important for your health and you know eating for hunger is so important because it nourishes your body and it keeps um, things running the way they should be and obviously um, ignoring hunger cues is a dangerous habit because that can lead to disordered eating patterns but eating for pleasure is just as important because you know some foods just taste good like pancakes taste good Mm. and they you know make you happy they make me happy too Um, (laughs) and you know it's this understanding that food doesn't just exist to power our bodies but food is such a social like Mm. social concept if you you know often um social occasions nine times out of ten are teamed with food and it's a meal and enjoyment so it's really important to understand that and I guess that's where flexibility comes in because you know I think a normal a normal relationship with food also um you know definitely plays into this idea that there doesn't have to be these strict rules surrounding eating and food habits and you have this ability to go with the flow and accept that you know there will be deviations from your preferred Mm. foods and that's just a natural part of life and you don't have to judge your worth on that and I think it 
you know, in that kind of explanation, I guess it's like a concept of, you know, not, this is, it's not definitive. There's not like you can just decide one day to be a normal eater. And we all have, we all have phases where we're probably not so much, you know, in that, you know, it's okay. Like you, I don't think people sit, either sit in this normal, you know, box or abnormal. It's very fluid. But I think it is important to understand that, nutrition doesn't really come into your relationship with food because I think it's important that your relationship with food doesn't change based on what you're eating. It's more how you feel when you're eating because mm. or how you feel with your behavior. Because some people, um, some people can, you know, say, for example, fast twice a week and they find that that really you know, helps them. And I, mm. I, you know, that kind of thing. Whereas for other people, they would do that same behavior, but it would come from a very disordered place. So it's hard to say, oh, well, you know, what is normal? Because it's, so that's why I think it is important to, you know, apply this idea of relaxation, balance and flexibility to nutritious as well as pleasure foods. Mm. It's not just for when you are eating pleasurable foods. It's for both. Because it's, yeah. you know, putting, you know, if you eat an apple, you're not on some moral pedestal because, yeah. you know, like that kind of thing as well. Yeah, you don't like yeah. gain three points or something. No, yeah. exactly. It's not a it's not a point system. It's just yeah. a, um, it's it's not to do with nutrition. It's to do with what's going on in your head like when yeah. you're eating. So, yeah, yeah, definitely. And it, I feel it's definitely, yeah, like you said, it's very like individual and mm. kind of based on your own needs. So like what might be good for one person isn't, necessarily um the good or like the best i guess um approach for like another person Mm -hmm. yeah um yeah you brought up the the notion of your nutrition or your diet dictating your worth Mm -hmm. um and that falls very much into the concept of the healthism paradigm Mm -hmm. um i was wondering if you could talk a bit about that um yeah. Yeah, of course. So with the health as a paradigm, I don't want anyone to feel um, you know unintelligent if they don't know what it is because not many, you know, it's not something that we um, talk about because the paradigm is more just a lens of how we see the world. So the health as a paradigm is this belief system that posits that health or this pursuit of health is a moral grounds to judge our worth as humans on. So Mm. it places the responsibility on the individual, so not on the government or not on... Um, not on society, but mm. the individual, um, to that we have to actively care about our health in order for us to be considered worthy in society. And this pursuit of healthism is often attempted through the modification of lifestyle and mm. um, and diets. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, I didn't know about that uh, that term until um, you brought it up a few mm-hmm. days ago. Um, we were talking about um, preparation for this podcast. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely, uh, like for me personally, that like I had kind of been aware of these ideas, but that puts like a term or like a label. Yeah. And it's like, this is what that did. And I was like, oh, yes, I I see this um, represented and replicated mm. all throughout my life and through society. Like um, I've definitely had like even like influential figures, like people that I look up to in my life, especially growing up. Um, I don't want to like name anybody, but like, you know, um, (laughs) kind of 
uh, yeah, put like kind of argue that or even just imply that you have to be constantly working like it's it's your duty as like yeah. a human being um, just by the mere fact of existing that you have to be actively pursuing being healthy exercising you know all of these and all these uh, ideals of what is a quote-unquote healthy person mm-hmm. in society um, and yeah I definitely feel like that ignores a lot of as you said like outside influences and Mm -hmm. barriers and you know we don't all start on like a level playing field and we don't all exist on that you know no yeah Yeah. if you compare if you compare kind of healthism to the kind of models of you know health um when you can take kind of this say the broadest socio-ecological view of health that kind of understands that there are so many factors that influence um say you know why we've you know in some populations some you know subpopulations probably consume kind of less fruits and vegetables that's you know we might say from a nutrition perspective oh well they're not you know they're eating you know too much fast food or there's too you know too much fast food available or they're not educated or Mm. but then you can go right back and think okay what's the access like in these often in kind of remote areas, you know, what's the access? Um, mm. Can these people actually access these health foods? And not even health foods, just, you know, fruits and vegetables, but how can they get there and be transported without, because they're obviously perishable food. Um, what's the mm. cost barrier? You know, there are so many yeah. of these things. So healthism, I think, more often than, I think it's so interesting. When I heard about it, I thought, okay, it's not just me who feels like this, there's this kind of pressure and you don't know where mm. it comes from because it's actually just a lens that we see that we you know we exist and therefore mm. we have this duty. But I think it is important also that we probably steer a bit away from healthism and understand this idea that people can be kind of healthy at every site so that's another the mm. Hayes model where I think nutrition is slow like the nutrition field in terms of um in terms of like what I study I think they're definitely getting better at incorporating this because I think healthism definitely dictates what we learn at mm. present but the idea of health at every size is more that instead of you know in order to for us to be um to be a worthy person in society, we must always actively pursue um, better health. Yeah. It's this idea that health exists more on a continuum that varies with time and circumstance for each individual. Mm. So, you know, health is actually a resource that is available to everyone, regardless of health condition or ability level, but it's not this outcome or objective of mm. living. Um, and pursuing health is not this moral imperative. And we mm. shouldn't use health status to kind of judge or oppress or even, you know, or determine the value of an individual. Because I think mm. that just puts, you know, far too much pressure on our body image and on our eating habits. And then again, we go full yeah. circle and we get into, you know, these disordered eating habits, which we know are mm. harmful behaviors. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And it definitely feels like... Um, it's a lot of, it's a lot to put on people, especially, <clears throat> pardon me, it, I definitely feel like it's a lot to put on, especially marginalized um, groups of people who 
whether it's from like poverty or like inaccessibility or they're in an area that's experiencing war or violence um it's it's kind of like shaming it's like kind of um what's the phrase like kicking a low dog the dog oh, is already low or something yeah. I don't know, it's, it definitely I, feels I know like what you mean, yeah, yeah it, like kind of shaming the people who are already experiencing the worst of it yeah. you know um and i definitely feel like it protects like the status quo the rich and the privileged while yeah victim blaming those already suffering under capitalism and um <clears throat> pardon me my throat's just gone really <laughs> That's okay. um but yeah i definitely um feel like um like we are all worthy irrespective of our health mm. um and not only are people deemed unhealthy you know usually or sometimes healthy you know all of these in quotation marks yeah. um because appearance isn't an indication of health but it's also irre- irrelevant because we all have worth and value regardless of how um healthy we are um, and whether or not we are engaged or able to and have access to engage with pursuits of healthiness absolutely yeah and i also feel like um like health is also usually like drenched in like fat phobia and Mm -hmm. also sometimes like ableism and stuff like that where like the model of like what a healthy person is thin able-bodied um and usually you know well off or rich or something it has like a combination of like power statuses in Mm -hmm. society and it's very kind of exclusionary and kind of not a model that we should be uplifting or um glorifying in any way Um, because it's inherently unattainable and in like not applicable no i think and it's often used as this um i guess a marketing scheme to promote diet culture and promote Mm. the endless pursuit of changing ourselves and that and that's so tied up in money (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) Yeah, definitely um so we've brought up diet culture quite a few times Mm -hmm. um uh, i was just wondering um what in your view what is diet culture Mm -hmm. and in what ways does it cause harm yeah sure so diet culture is a belief system and when we put kind of culture in um it's unlike kind of traditional the traditional definition of culture yeah it's very transient usually cultures are you know they're something that evolve over time Mm. but they have this the roots in something whereas diet culture i think it's very hard to define because it's often it's changing and it's susceptible to kind of how the you know just how society changes so frequently but if we were to try and define it it is diet culture is about this idea that we worship thinness and equate it to health and moral virtue and that means that you can spend your whole life thinking that you're I guess broken in a way because you don't match this ideal um, Mm. that diet culture typifies Um, and it also diet culture typically kind of promotes weight loss as a means of attaining higher status in society which means you're compelled to spend this massive amount of time um energy and money trying to shrink your body in a way 
Um, mm. And often diet culture seems to demonize certain ways of eating while ele- elevating others, which feeds into healthism because it means you're forced to be hypervigilant about your eating and maybe even ashamed of making certain food choices, which mm. then we understand why disordered eating habits are on the rise and we see that they just yeah. hold hands because, you know, if you're feeling ashamed about what you're eating, you're going, you know, often people will slip into those disordered eating um, habits and as that you've point, said yeah. as you've said already it definitely um, oppresses people who don't match up with this supposed picture of health which is often mm. you know marginalized groups yeah, yeah. definitely um and i definitely feel yeah like diet culture really relies on this underlying uh, fat phobia and kind of the notion that being fat is something that is unwanted or warrants admonishment um I guess, yeah, in, in your view, um, how or are these harmful and mm. how are these harmful? And in particular, is there a connection between promoting positive representations of fat people while establishing better notions of body image? Is there like... Yeah, I, yeah. Think, I think it's... I'm of the view that, yeah, I think it is great because if we have more of a diverse representation then there is you know we're not trying to idealize this you know this one body Mm. um but i think it is a struggle coming from this nutrition background we're definitely moving away and trying to get to more of this health at every size model but the science and this teaching is still very much rooted in this weight-centric model. Like nutrition's, mm. I think, trying to catch up with almost... Because I guess there's the science and then there's the social aspect. And I think it's them coming together and putting a you know, really good argument. Because it's... Yeah, it is that, you know, definitely kind of different influences. So it's... Yeah, I mean, I... Um, I agree that, you know, if we are, yeah, if there's a, this connection between promoting, yeah, I guess a positive representation that there's not, you know, there's not this one ideal body image, then people will feel better in a way because we're not trying to, we're actually establishing this more body neutral that, you know, there's not, there's not, there's not one way to, there's not one way to live. There's not one way to look. Yeah. There's not one way to eat, but I think it's a great um, step in the right direction if we start to separate health and weight mm. which yeah as and I as I yeah I guess it's it's hard because it's kind of taking my education and then critically analyzing it and thinking yeah. okay what would I like to take from this but also what do I need to go and upskill in and learn because my like it's yeah it's definitely um it's definitely changing but all those kinds of changes are quite slow so mm, definitely yeah. do you are you ever in like lectures or something and you kind of you're taught something that mm. doesn't really that maybe you view as outdated or doesn't yeah i with... think they definitely tr- i think they try and um get the most up to date yeah. like I, I think i might do a great job of doing that and mm. really being on top of the recent kind of inverted commas trends and like Mm. we talked a lot about the ketogenic diet and we were looking at ketosis for example in um last year and but we still you know we still do things like we learn how to calculate bmi and you know Mm. we understand that's body mass index we that you know we're starting to move away from using that as an indicator of um health outcomes and Mm. you're looking at different things so it's kind of it's things like that that you take you learn and 
I think take with a grain of salt and it's I think it's great to I think our all of the lecturers and researchers would agree it's great to kind of take what you learn but also think about maybe how it could be improved mm. that's just a I mean that's a skill that's for life critical, right? like yeah. that's just that's what you know you don't take everything you learn as um at like face value exactly like, yeah. it's, so I think it's definitely that but it's I love being challenged and I love having my views debated and you know or what I've mm. learned I love trying to find the opposite like that's I find that really fun and interesting. Mm. So I'm always trying to learn, but I wouldn't say I'm like across all of it, mm. but I'm definitely trying to um, better my education and yeah, look at things from different perspectives perspectives as well. Yeah. Um, so we've kind of mentioned here and there some common misconceptions um, surrounding like diet culture, um, particularly like that kind of being thin is like thin equals healthy and stuff mm-hmm. like that. Um, are there any other misconceptions um, out there that you, I guess, want to talk about or kind yeah. of dispel or even? Sure. I think a common misconception that uh, I'm not sure if it's a misconception as such, but it's just as this established, like accepted idea that dieting is um, is normal. So I think, and that the idea that you have to be on a diet to pursue health, mm. um, and you have to have this list of foods that you eat and don't eat for health reasons, and health is the first thing you think of when you're choosing what to eat. Like we know that that is just not how it works, yeah. and it's it is. Again, we're trying to kind of not an absolutely no way shape or form trying to judge anyone who is on a mm. diet and there are certain um, conditions where people must yeah. cut foods out for Definitely. health reasons like if you're a celiac and you take that advice go, okay well i'm just going to eat gluten well yeah. you're going to be yeah. sick like you yeah. you know so it's things like that but this idea that yeah it's i think dieting that mindset is not like more often than not going to lead to the development because it is a disordered eating behavior. It's mm. going to lead, it, it, you know, it doesn't lead in the kind of ideal direction. So that's probably a, a, yeah. st- a kind of misconception. The other one that I think is kind of plays into more of the idea of um, that people who have eating disorders are just attention seeking and focused mm. on their physical appearance. Um, is so wrong and I think Mm. it's important to understand that as kind of friends or kind of eating disorder alert people in the community we're trying to get people who are struggling to get the right help to kind of get to the bottom of why they're feeling this way because eating disorders are not about food like food is what's they're kind of taking it out on and it's how it's manifesting but there is so much going on that Mm. needs to be addressed that to say oh but you know you know they're just seeking attention Mm. and they just want you know it's just that's oversimplifying the problem Mm. um and it's it's very ignorant to say oh you know that this person is just so you know vain or um or just yeah yeah i think that's yeah yeah as you said earlier like it's uh like it's a classifiable like mental illness (laughs) it's um it's yeah i don't know how to explain but it's just yeah it is what it is you know it's not you wouldn't i mean you wouldn't say to someone who had just broken their leg oh they just did that to get attention like yeah it's it's you know why would you say that about someone Mm. who has an eating disorder yeah i think Um, because i'm not sure if it would 
uh, or I guess it kind of passes into like invisible mm-hmm. um, like illnesses or disabilities where it's kind of it's hard to uh, I mean just uh, people with uh, like physically disabled people have mm-hmm. it hard enough but especially yeah. with like invisible the invisibility acts uh, aspect of it it's this is like you have to like fight to be believed mm-hmm. that um, it's um, real and what you're experiencing yeah. is like what's actually happening and yeah. yeah and that was one of my last the other one i wanted to touch on oh, yeah. about misconceptions is the idea that you have to be diagnosed with an eating disorder to be worthy of support mm. i think that's again the quick like the sooner we can become more alert and help people that who need it that you know better the you know that because we you know you can recover from an eating disorder it's not a Mm. life sentence but you need to get the right help in place so saying that you know just oh but you know they're not diagnosed Mm. you know they don't need any help that's just again you know we're trying to we're trying to get on top of those kind of disordered eating behaviors so that they don't lead to um lead to an eating Mm. disorder yeah definitely um i feel like a lot of these um misconceptions are kind of brought about in the media or kind of mm-hmm. uh like for example with the rise of like influences and this kind of influence called cult- influencer culture um yeah do you feel like this is spread or permeated mm-hmm. diet culture yeah absolutely and i think influencer culture so this your idea of I guess it's often on Instagram, but mm. across all social media platforms that there are certain kind of figures, public figures, who um, permeate this idea of the kind of eat like me, look like me culture. Mm. So if you, know, if you follow what they eat in a day, then you will look like them. And these people have often in this idealized body type. So it feeds into kind of what we're, what we're told we all you know, inverted commas, should look like. And I think we also love anecdotal evidence. So we love, uh, you know, um, we love this kind of classic before and after transformation. Mm. And that just plays into, you know, even if someone doesn't follow a diet per se, because a lot of these influences are aware of the kind of discourse and the chain, like we're trying Mm. to, you know, get away from dieting is, you know, is bad. But then they say, oh, but I don't eat gluten, dairy, wheat, soy. Then they don't give, they just, they don't because, you know. Without the label of the diet. Yeah, exactly. So that's, that's kind of the same thing. And I think it's important to understand that it's really that, you know, that what I in a day idea is feeding into diet culture because it's this kind of, this is my, like, this is how I eat Mm. and people will comment on it and, you know, I'm of a higher status kind of thing. Mm. Um, There is that, you know, and I think they often depict, this is a stereotype, there are some influencers who are doing amazing things, like Mm, just they are awesome, but um, some depict these ideas about kind of health and create this expectation that, you know, we need to be doing these things too if we want to keep up. And often it's mm. rooted in marketing as well because they're paid to, yeah. you know, promote products. And not everyone knows that, I think. I don't think we... You Sometimes you even see, you know it's a paid ad, but you don't pay attention to it. You just see yeah. the person and you think, oh, I'm going to buy that because they look happy and, you know, that yeah. kind of thing. Like It's, it's, it's so, it's so yeah. easy to just kind of um, believe that like take it on face or kind mm. of 
um, just uh, accept that um, this projected reality when it's not often the case. Yeah, because it's in the context of say, well, you you might follow your friends and you might you know it's it's in yes, this kind of just yeah. it's not like you're driving and you see a billboard and you know that's an ad. Like it's in your just everyday feed. Of, yeah, that's so true. Yeah. And yeah, because um, I like on Instagram, like I was one point I like I was following like two thousand people or something. Mm-hmm um and uh, like that was uh, i don't know I, I was just like i don't even know what i'm doing so i like unfollowed a bunch of people including like a bunch of like influencers or like um i made it so like i only really want to have like friends on there and also mm. people that i really look up to and admire and kind of uh, like doing good and stuff yeah. um but it definitely that's so true like it's like a space that's usually um for friends and stuff and family mm-hmm. But there's and maybe like cute dog pics or something. But yeah. then they'll also like, yeah, it's almost like kind of penetrating that space. Mm-hmm. Um, usually without our us even noticing or yeah. registering it, and it's kind of, um, yeah, it's like friend pick, friend pick, friend pick, yep. or like this new like juice cleanse, or mm. like this kind of new like what was that kind of like Kardashian like. Oh, tummy, flat tummy flat tea. Tummy tea. Yeah. The appetite suppressing lollipops. Yeah. It's <laughs> yeah. so, and it's so normalized. It's yeah. so, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Um, yeah. So, I guess, yeah, it's kind of hard to even register that or recognize that. But what do you think are some ways that people who use social media can? Um, ensure that they critically engage with this. Mm. Um, I think it is important to be aware that you are being influenced, particularly when you follow these accounts. Like it's just, you know, take, I think it's important to just, yeah, actually think, okay, so this is an advertisement, you know, and you might have the, they're trying to make it better by having kind of the, you know, this is a paid post kind of thing, but also Mm. just, registering that because when you're in the constant kind of mindless scroll sometimes we forget that and I think if you want to do a cleanse make it a social media cleanse and you know unfollow people who um it's not even people because I don't like the idea of you know because it's not the person it's the image that they're portraying so it's nothing against the any of these influences more unfollow the accounts Mm. that make you feel ashamed of making certain food choices or maybe you know demonize certain ways of eating Mm. with you know with no apparent reason so in terms of like your critical engagement I think it is important to look for the credentials because if you are looking, because I think there are some dietitians doing great things on social media, and if you're wanting to get kind of free nutrition advice, I would try and follow people who have, you know, are accredited practicing dietitians, or at least mm. a kind of registered nutritionist. Um, they're the people that you want to, you want to be kind of consuming. There, if they are putting something out there, it they are bound by the rules of their registering board to only promote evidence-based meds. You'll never see a dietitian promoting an appetite-suppressing lollipop. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah, that kind of leads me into, um, I guess, my next question of, um, yeah, where can we get accurate nutritional information from? Mm. Um, who should we be listening to? And um, are there any resources that you like particularly recommend, whether that's online or even on campus? Mm. Um, in terms of 
yeah, I think definitely look into in Australia, look for a dietitian who is who is registered with the um, Dietis- Dietitians Association of Australia, so yeah. the DAA, um, and they would have spent kind of around five years at university studying, yeah. and they you know they're the people that will never promote something that I think never really promote you're not like I know you're not allowed to promote anecdotal evidence like that's Mm -hmm. if you you, testimonials can't be used as marketing so they're the people to follow if you you're never going to be swayed I think to try anything too drastic Mm -hmm. following those kinds of people um so that's who I would you know I would really try steer away from um from the idea of kind of taking your nutrition advice from a Netflix documentary Mm -hmm. or um or even I mean I've wa- you know I've watched them all as well, but I think it's important to again kind of just put that critic critical analysis hat mm. on and think okay so what are you know what is this person what are these person's credentials are they being influenced by the person that's paying mm. them to, the company that's paying them to post this yeah. or you know what what's influencing this content that I'm consuming mm. so that would probably be online um, but in um, on campus if you there is a like a accredited practicing dietitian who you can actually go and see if you were looking in terms of that space. If you're more um, struggling um, and you want to kind of talk to someone, probably not a dietitian, but maybe more in the psychology realm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's you can book into the you know Monash you know the health center on campus, and you can you know book in with a counsellor and go from there. And I think you can get up to, is it six free sessions or like yeah. it's... Yeah, oh, I thought it was or maybe eight. Eight, or, yeah. So it's, it's an even number above six, like six or above. Yeah. I, I can't remember how how many, but yeah. Yeah, and it, and if they think like they, I think important for anyone that hasn't been there before, you're not um, separated from the people who are going for medical, um, mm. you know, medical reasons. So you don't feel like you... If you're worried that, oh, I don't want people to know I'm going to see a counsellor, nobody will know. Yeah. Um, and it's very painful. I think you just have to call when you go the first time and then you can book in online. Yeah. Um, but also the great thing about going, even just that first, they can refer you if they think you need um, more of a, um, like a mental health plan. From mm. the start, I found this out the other week, from the start of November last year, um, like eligible patients with eating disorders can receive up to 40 sessions oh. like of um like medicare rebated yeah. evidence-based eating disorder treatment and they can receive up to 20 dietetic sessions which is That's incredible so oh my god <laughs> yeah. yeah like absolutely incredible and there is great places online like the butterfly foundation mm. and eating disorders victoria are fantastic for people that want some probably more like information and resources maybe if they're trying to help someone else um, or just want to be become a bit more educated. But there is so much help out there. It's just knowing where to go. And even if you don't know exactly where you're at, I don't think there is ever any harm in going to talk to someone mm. and they can help you out. And they're never going to judge you and think, oh, why did you come here? There's nothing. Yeah. Like, they're never, ever going to say that. So, yeah. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Um, do you think that... Um, do you think that the body ideals that we promote differ depending on uh, your gender? Um, mm. And I mean, obviously this is very binary, but um, are they the same for men versus women? 
I think they're definitely different because there are kind of different, um, like different body ideals. Yeah. And I think say you know, um, women maybe are trying to you know, there's this thin body um, ideal and or you know or you know, I think it, it definitely changes and there are different. It really depends. Um, depends who who you talk to mm. um, because we all kind of have differing ideas of an, an like an ideal body image but, oh sorry not an ideal body image an ideal um, ideal body um, mm. but no I think it I think both genders I think it's it is common to think oh it's just um, like these problems only affect girls like it's not you know a, um, it doesn't affect yeah the other like it doesn't affect guys but that's so that you know that's far from the truth like there are um like it yeah i'm i think it's it's definitely you know we are all under pressure to mm. achieve you know i think regardless of gender we all, there are definitely um yeah body ideals that we kind of are told to aspire to so mm. yeah i wouldn't say it is just a white um middle class female Mm. problem <laughs> yeah definitely yeah. um so what would you like to see changed in the way that our society talks about eating disorders disordered eating and yeah i guess our relationships with our bodies and food yeah sure i think i probably would summarize some of the things we've talked mm. about so i think creating a more eating disorder alert community so we're aware of these disordered eating behaviors mm. and we're able to help people who may be on their way to developing an eating disorder because I think the earlier we can help we can get someone help I'm not saying we have to help them but get them yeah. to the right help the better I think it's important to denormalize this enforcement of healthism and understand that you know we can be healthy that can be health at every size not saying someone is healthy at every size but that you know their health can be pursued regardless of where someone you know the size mm. like a, of, of the size of a person um and i think there should i would love to see more regulation about what can and can't be promoted on social media mm. i just think there is no place for someone you know with you know people with such a large following like say one of the kardashians to be promoting you know laxative teas because we know mm. that that is that is a disordered eating behavior and to promote that is just um i just think it would be great if we could have more regulations in place um, and i just think critical in all in all just if we can critically analyze who we listen to a bit more and mm. you know i think podcasts are great for that podcasts always yeah. expand my perspective i think oh i didn't think about it in that yeah. way that is a form of you know um, developing your critical analysis and how you see the world so i think that's really important too mm. yeah definitely yeah like as we've already talked about and you've mentioned kind of not putting all this weight onto we have to be um uh, like we all have to be dedicated to pursuing our own health um because like some of us just um you know some of us are working like three jobs or like <laughs> some of us are you know not in the right headspace like mm. mental health headspace for it some of us um physically aren't able to do some sort of thing some mm -hmm. things and it's um yeah like just kind of treating 
everyone with kindness regardless of your perception of if they are like trying to um pursue their health in a certain way yeah. or um yeah even yeah, regardless of their appearance or how they appear to be kind of yeah mm-hmm. absolutely um how has your experience with body image and disordered eating affected you as a person i think it has made me more aware of how what i say and the messages that i can put out i put out there to others that can af- affect others and contribute to a greater societal issue because mm-hmm. i think we often think oh these are just society like healthism is this huge concept but it also starts with just everyday interactions of you know trying to promote more like just yeah i think it has definitely yeah made me more aware and in turn um in turn i think i've become probably more a better listener and hopefully a bit more empathetic because i think they're yeah. attributes you need when um approaching issues like this and topics and i think i think my interest in nutrition has stemmed from you know this like it's really made i would love to work in this space one day mm. and that's probably stemmed from my you know my um journey i guess with you know with food and that's like i think dipping into the yeah, that disordered eating space taught me so much about myself and about mm. nutrition in general and i think that'll hopefully make me a better clinician one day because i think i can like i can relate to people and i can empathize with their problems and yeah i, I think it's hopefully will make me a better nutrition professional one day mm. but just in terms of even if i don't end up going into the eating disorder space i think just talking about these things like it's so um it's so just helpful in general to mm-hmm. always build your empathy and understand different perspectives and, you know, be a, be a good listener. So I think, yeah, I think it doesn't, it's, it doesn't matter what happens in the future. I'm so, I think it really has shaped my interests mm. and I'll take that with me and I'll, yeah, Definitely. build those skills. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so if you had a friend or someone that you know, um, and you thought that they might be falling into disordered eating habits um, or even potentially um, an eating disorder, what are some ways that um, you kind of approach that and also mm-hmm. um, get to a point where you're, I guess, just supporting them in a non-judgmental way? Sure. Um, yeah, I'm so passionate about this question because yeah. I think – I think we don't get that. I think we, as RAs, we did our mental health first aid and they mm. talked a little bit about eating disorders. But um, yeah, I think this is super important to, I think if you can like, if you were zoned out of it, just tune back into this yeah. part. I think it is really important to make a plan before approaching the person. So choose a place to meet that is, you know, private so one-on-one um, mm. and comfortable. I often find, like, I often think, and this isn't just related to um, to approaching someone who you think is struggling with these prob- um, issues, but in any kind of emotional, when you're talking about mm. feelings, I think it's important to try and go into a neutral environment. So maybe not their room or your room, maybe go for a walk or go outside mm. or somewhere that's a bit more of a neutral space that's not emotionally charged. Um, and avoid... I would avoid approaching the person in a situation that may lead them to becoming 
um, extra kind of sensitive or defensive. So, you know, if they are have just come back from uni and they're really tired or if it's in a kind of drinking, if there's alcohol involved, it's probably mm. not the most appropriate time. Or if you're in a place surrounded by food, I would suggest that's probably not the best time to bring it up. Yeah. Um, I would say it's really important. Um, so, you know, if you've chosen the environment, it's important to use I statements. So you want to say, I have noticed that and give your kind of evidence that you've built up, that you've been thinking about, or I am worried about you because, you know, the eating disorders can, you know, lead to, you know, you know, it could be, you could be intensely dissatisfied with something, or I'm worried that you, um, might you know i'm worried that this is making you tired all the time and you might Mm. not be able to do as well in you know the sport you used to love or in uni you know relate Mm. it to other things it's not like try and not just focus on weight or food but like allow the person you're talking to to discuss other concerns that aren't about food and give them you know plenty of time to discuss and try and let them lead the conversation in Mm. a way um another thing i would say to try and avoid is avoid oversimplifying the situation avoid saying oh well if you just ate or you know oh but you're you're in the a very healthy weight range like why do you, you know that's just oversimplifying the problem like don't go and be critical it's really you're just saying to them the important thing to when we're thinking about all this is you're giving them the space to open up to you and the opportunity but at the same time they like they will probably find it tough to listen to what you have to say so they might need a bit more time but you've said to them i care about you i am aware that mm. you know this is you i'm i i'm worried about you and i'm here if you'd like to talk to me so you know you're not i would really focus on conveying that empathy you're not trying to change the person because you're not a psychologist you're not a dietitian you're the friend on their support team so it's yes, really important to kind of be um, be non-judgmental and respectful to towards them, and not try and um, oversimplify their problem or fix them in a way because that's not mm. that's not your job on their support yeah, team. Yeah, definitely, I hundred percent agree. <laughs> yeah, um, and I guess um, perhaps also just quickly, if they're like going, if you have a friend who's going through recovery from an eating disorder. Mm-hmm. Um, what are some ways that you can support them? Yeah, that? sure. I think it's important to just be as normal as possible. Don't make a big fuss if, you know, if they typically don't eat meals with you or if they mm. go out and they order, like, say, a, for, I don't know, say they order a food that they wouldn't usually order. Like, don't make a big deal of it because we're, you know, that's, they're going to probably feel, I think that's with anything, people will feel like they're watched and then mm. often we don't like that feeling. Um, so I would, you know, try and lead by example. So it doesn't mean you have to deny your own problems, but, you know, do try and focus and promote the social aspect of eating and sharing meals. Just be like, yeah, just try and do that. Don't, don't, you know, not invite them out for meals. Don't, you know, don't change the way, you know, give them opportunity, but also try and not, yeah, it's, it's a real, it's a struggle because on one hand you want to be, um, you want to be kind of normal and mm. but at the same time you don't want to put 
a person struggling with an eating disorder in a situation that's going to make them feel unsafe or uncomfortable. So mm. perhaps a you know going out for lunch is it's really important to be aware of you know where they're at in their journey and if you know act no you know be normal but at the same time don't go and put them in a situation that they're going to find intensely uncomfortable because you wouldn't it's not something you should do ever as a friend. Um, like I think. Um, it's important to check in regularly and apply those same principles as when you first talk to them. So, mm. you know, don't just because they might open up, you know, they open up to you, but they, you know, be, you know, maintain that sense of being, you know, non-judgmental and being empathetic and always getting them to lead the conversation. That's not just something you do the first time and then, you know, that goes out the window. And the other things I would say and this is even if this a friend is not going through an eating disorder, mm. I would say it's never um, appropriate, I would argue. I'd be interested to hear what you think, but I don't think it's ever appropriate to talk about, um, comment on a person's weight. If, I, mm. if it's positive or negative, I just don't see any context where that is appropriate. And it's the same as... I don't see a situation where it is appropriate to comment on the nutritional value of people's eating patterns. Either. Yeah, I, I agree. <laughs> I think, um, I mean, especially like in my, f I think a lot of families are like this, like in family situations, like you haven't seen them for like a few months and then you have that auntie who's like, oh, you've like lost yeah. weight or something kind of a thing. Yeah. as like the first thing that they say. Yeah. And it's um, so ingrained and so normalized, like so normal to in our culture to kind of just yeah like mention someone's weight when you see mm -hmm. them um like i yeah like i recently had like i was at like a family dinner and then um my i had a family member kind of come up to me and like touch my stomach and it's like oh you've like put on weight mm. and i was like uh, uh, like i <laughs> yeah i was just like okay and it was kind of um and i mean obviously i'm kind of i think I, I definitely don't experience the worst of that, but yeah. it's definitely, it's still like someone's weight isn't, that's should never be like a topic of conversation unless no. they've like brought up and they want to talk, talk about, about it or it. something. Yeah. Anyway, you sh I think, yeah, just kind of avoiding, avoiding bringing up someone's weight, even if it's something that you just happen to notice. Cause like we can't help what we think, but like, don't, um, yeah, try not to bring it up. Um, and kind of, yeah, also with like the nutritional value of food, don't be like, oh, that's 300 calories yeah. or something kind of, it's, um, like, I feel like, um, you can have your own kind of thoughts about your own body and your own, uh, I guess like lifestyle yeah. or what you choose to partake in, but don't put that onto no. other people and, Absolutely. um, cause they have their own standards for themselves and it's also like none of your business unless again unless they bring brought it up um yeah and i think regardless of how well you know that person or um how close you are or even if you've just met i think it's yeah not something that's appropriate mm -hmm. yeah um well yeah i guess we've come to the last question yeah. um and i ask this of all my guests mm -hmm. um if you could give one piece of advice to someone who is maybe just moved in on res, what would that be? So I, I did think about this and I thought I'm going to relate my piece of advice to what we've been talking about. Yeah. Um, I would 
really my advice would be to be kind to yourself and exercise self-compassion because you're going through a huge transition and there are going to be so many social events where there is you have this choice to eat and often drink which can be a um, a new concept for some you know people moving on res Um, and it's not always going to be the most nutritious offering of food but I think it's important to remember you know that so many memories abound in these occasions so if you don't want to go out um and if you don't want to drink alcohol or eat, you know, that's absolutely fine. That's I'm not saying, you know, go and do that. Be, you know, that I'm saying um, don't let the reason that you don't want to go because is, you know, due to wanting to exercise control or, mm. um, or because of, yeah, I, w- I would say, you know, just understand that it's a huge transition and food is often falls by the wayside particularly at the beginning of the semester when we're with orientation and um and just getting used to living here Mm. um it's so important and the other thing i would say is don't be afraid to talk to your friends about this transition particularly when it comes to food i know it was a huge thing for my friends and i going through like going from coming from home where your meals are cooked for you usually um and you don't you don't go out and buy your own groceries and like we we do all of that we move to when we move to res and to add um on top of all of that you know that new transition to yeah. add all of you know like this homesickness or yes yeah. exactly to go and add well i have to eat all of these things and i've got to like you just have to accept that things will change and your body may change and your you know your kind of i know my attitude towards food has relaxed I think I've just relaxed as a person since moving on to yeah. res, but food was a huge part of that. But talk to your friends because they are probably going through the same thing. I've had this these kinds of conversations with my friends. I had you know all of last year, and I'll continue to have them because I think it's important, you know, that we realize we're not alone, and mm. it's a huge step up. Be kind to yourself, and don't. You know, just let yourself, as we talked about before with this normal relationship with food, be open to kind of that flexibility Mm. because that is kind of living on res. That's a a huge part of it. Yeah, 100%. Um, I know because I used to live in the city Mm -hmm. um, and I'm used to like having like all these options like at my doorstep kind of Mm -hmm. a thing. Um, And moving here, it's not that there aren't options, but it definitely, I don't know. Yeah, I definitely became more conscious of what i was um like eating and kind of buying groceries and stuff like that and it was definitely a new um thing that i had to that i'm still learning about you know even in my second year living on res i'm still um kind of learning what i like what i like i like last year i probably knew how to cook like maybe two things or Mm. something and like in terms of like proper like sit down like dinner meals kind Mm. of a thing um, and I'm slowly increasing that, but definitely just, yeah, like, if I feel like just, like, going out and, like, uh, or even, like, getting, like, Uber Eats or something, mm-hmm. like, um, I, the definitely, I felt, was that kind of shame t- associated mm. with it, or even, like, um, relying on, um, like, fast food or, um, unhealthy quote-unquote unhealthy food or unhealthy or like even quote-unquote lazy um Mm. ways of getting food like that's like 
I'm also like juggling like a million things, you know. Yeah, exactly. Like it's just so being you know, being mindful that food is not the only thing that you we can't spend twenty four hours a day thinking about yeah. um about oh what are we gonna eat? You know, oh, I need mm. to go and buy this to make this elaborate meal. Like it's just it's a huge part of moving out of home and mm. living on res and be like be kind to yourself and understand that it is a learning curve and it will take mm. time for you to establish a routine and mm. you know habits Definitely. and it's it's great to employ those habits of you know maybe doing some meal prep on a Sunday or going and doing mm. your groceries but if you don't do that like just you are doing in- incredibly especially first years to move out of home mm. And be in a new environment, and you know you're trying to make friends. You're trying to start at this, yeah. you know, f- at university. Um, yeah, it's a complete fresh yeah, start. Do yeah, do your laundry. Like there's so yeah. many things, right? So Literally. be like, just. Um, I hope our conversation today has, yeah, it's kind of, we've. I feel like it's yeah we've talked about how it's it's really this idea of normal eating is, you know, being flexible to your conditions, and that is. When you move on res, it is understanding that, you know, for the first, you know, while and, you know, even there'll just be times throughout the year when it comes to just before exams, mm. um, you know, it's it's not always going to be necessarily, you know, straightforward to um, to kind of plan what you're eating mm. or have, you know, have three meals a day or whatever you off you usually do whatever your usual routine is like res kind of shakes that and that's mm. absolutely fine and we all go through it um and that's that's totally okay yeah definitely and especially if you're um someone who like depending on like your cultural background if you have like festivals or like ho- holidays kind of throughout the year or if you're like even like i experienced like a bit of like seasonal depressions so, like even mm-hmm. during like winter like just kind of taking that extra step to like remind myself that I like to be kind of to myself and mm. um to if I if I need to just um like do something out of the ordinary or that breaks away from what I thought or like what I prepared for um then that's okay too you know yeah just kind of giving myself that space to exist yeah yeah, yeah absolutely I think that's helpful helped by the knowledge that we're all going through that's mm. like it's not I think we realize it's not just it's not just you and I, we all, yeah. you know, it's all, we all kind of, we're on the same boat. yeah, we're all in the yeah. same boat, we're all moving, even if you're a second year, it's still, there's still things that come up, each year becomes progressively more d- difficult at uni, so that's, you've got to add to that, mm. and we take on more responsibility, um, so yeah, it, mm. we're all going through it, and it really helps to talk about it, so talk to your friends, see where they're at, and you can help each other as well. Mm, definitely. Um, so yeah, that's it for today's podcast episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in. Um, and thank you, Charlotte, for being here and for talking about these really complex and sensitive topics. Yeah. Um, I've, I like, I myself have learned a lot and I kind of went into this not really knowing much, but I've definitely learned a lot. So hopefully our listeners too can, (laughs) yeah, I've picked up some things as well. Um, is there anything that you want to plug, whether it's social media or if it's like projects going on in yeah, your hall sure. that you want to, or events that you have? Uh, well, 
you can follow me on Instagram. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, you don't my, have to, but I, my Instagram I is my Instagram is good for Charlie. So I I try and everything we've talked about, I do try and promote that evidence based kind of message. Um, and really, it's more just about what I'm enjoying at the moment, and mm. you know, exercising for enjoyment. Um, I went and did a bungee like a bungee class oh, the wow. other day like you actually suspended and you jump around and mm. so if you want to go see things like that and just food i i do post quite a few recipes i love cooking so mm. I, I post some things that might be helpful for people living on res um and yeah if you're interested in the um in the monash nutrition and dietetic society also i'm more than happy to field questions on that but yeah <laughs> yeah and also don't forget to look out for that um the podcast that you're creating as yes well. the podcast i'm yeah. creating so yeah for any well any nutrition students particularly but anyone that's interested in what a nutrition career might look like even if you're studying maybe a science degree and you just want to know we're going to we're going to interview phd students some of our lecturers that have had amazing careers over in the uk and around the world um where yeah we're going to approach different people i'm hoping to get an eating disorder dietitian on there as well so if you're interested in this topic and you want to hear about it from um from an expert's perspective that would be great to tune into as well so that'll be coming out probably more towards week four and week five of uni so a little bit longer to go but we are in our um planning and contacting phases at the moment nice yeah i hope that all goes well thank you and thank you for having me this is an amazing idea and yeah i'm so excited to listen to everyone else's yeah (laughs) yeah yeah. um um but yeah definitely so yeah make sure to tune in next week um where we'll be talking about another really great issue um and i hope you have a really great week and um make sure to take care of yourself and be kind to yourself yeah um okay thanks y'all bye